My name is Chris Sharp. We're back with another episode of Sharp Takes. This week we're bringing you an episode about one of our favorite comedies from the late 2000s. little romance, little comedy, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Hope you enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Mason Ford yet again. And we did Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Forgetting Sarah Marshall came out in 2008. It had a $30 million budget. And it made $105.2 million. So high-grossing R-rated comedy. Um, If you haven't seen it, per weekly announcement, go see it. Forgetting Sarah Marshall is about a breakup, about breaking up with Sarah Marshall. And Jason Segel's character has to try to get over her. He decides to go to a Hawaii resort. And to his chagrin, guess who's there? Sarah Marshall and her new rock star boyfriend, Aldous Snow. And... He's trying to navigate that while also falling in love with Mio Kunis. A lot of laughs, a lot of, a lot of good stuff in this one. Um, he ends up with Mio Kunis, breaking news, and uh, it's a great movie. So, Mace, why do we love this movie? I think there's a ton of reasons why we love this movie. I think it's, it's funny. Um, a lot of the, the details are hilarious. They, they pay attention to detail, and um, plus... Just an all-star cast, good comedy, good storyline, relatable, heartbreak, all those kinds of things. It, there, there's a ton that goes into it that makes it so great. Remember when you could get a movie where Jonah Hill is like the seventh build actor? Right, that's crazy. And he kills, like, what's the saying? You're, uh, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And I, I wouldn't necessarily make him the weakest link, but he's t- definitely not the top dog. Yeah, in this one, he's least. playing an extremely supportive role, and every time he's on screen, though, you can tell like that he's already done. This is post Super Bad, and this is him kind of trying to get out of. You know, he's been in the teen comedies. He had a little role in Knocked Up, and then he's in this giant teen comedy. He's trying to establish himself as an adult comedic actor, and I think this role eventually he does get him to the Greek, which I think is really important for his career in terms of setting up his like adult career and he has money ball and get him to the Greek. And it's like, Oh, Jonah Hill's going to stick around because some people are flashing the pans and Jonah Hill was not that. So it's just really funny to see Jonah Hill with Jason Siegel and Aldous Snow. And he's just, he's, they only have him in the movie for like three minutes, probably total screen yeah, time, right. but he kills those three minutes. Yeah, no, totally agree. I think, if we're just talking cast in general, how many great people are in this movie? You know, from Kristen Wiig to Bill Hader to Paul Rudd. Like, you, you could go on forever with, with how great of a cast it was, even from supporting roles, roles to main roles. I think the the cast is what does such a good job. And, and even if you're in a supporting role, the as you said earlier, like the little beats that they add to it, just make the movie so great. Plus, Mila Kunis is rock star, just kills it, you know? Mila Kunis, so I just want to dive right into this. Who do you end up with? Get back together with this, you know, I guess, but it's tough. It's tough because you know Sarah Marshall sucks, but you're in his shoes. Let's do this. There's an obvious choice. But I want you to take the opposite side. So you want me to defend yeah. the Sarah Marshall side? Yeah, I want you to defend okay, the Mila, Sarah Marshall side. You've because, known because, Mila, because I think it's so obvious to end up with Mila Kunis. She's super cool. She's super helpful during this time. She's super supportive of 
um, like his music career and in this Dracula play that's super out of the ordinary and to but fantastic exactly yeah right it's fantastic and he knows that but he needs the support and he didn't get that from uh, Sarah in his previous relationship so I think there's I think there's an obvious choice with Mila I, I'll take the Sarah Marshall side so Sarah Marshall you've known her way longer Mila Kunis you've met for four days right she denied your first kiss which was a bummer then she gets she gets with you kind of the next night. You've known her. It's been a day or two relationship of being like, oh, I like the idea of this person. Where Sarah, you have years of just foundational memories. And even though some of that not, might not be good, there's a reason you dated for so many years. Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, how many... My parents broke up and got back together and ended up being married. I mean, yeah. how many people's stories end up with, yeah, we broke up for a little bit, but we got back together. now. The tough part with Sarah, the tough pill to swallow is, is she was fucking someone else. Yeah, the, the cheating is the like cheating's over un- the top. But know? if you remove the cheating, I think it becomes tougher. Mm-hmm. But with the cheating in there, I think you're right. It's Mila Kunis. And if it was just straight up, you know, Mila Kunis' character versus Sarah Marshall's character, and you don't have any yeah. background, yeah. that's what I'm asking okay. you. So okay, it's yeah, just you've met, you meet them both in the same night. You have the same superficial understanding of them. Yeah, that's tough because Sarah Marshall has, she has the career. She's this acclaimed actress, and if you're going into it and you're like, do I date this acclaimed actress or do I date this front desk lady? I worked at a front desk for many years and was never looked at like, oh, here's this front desk dude that I could maybe be with. You know, there's no there's no prestige that comes with working at the front desk. So you're saying that every relation every relationship you're in, you're looking for prestige? No, I'm just saying like if you're the person that's picking between the two and there's like potential for something, like people naturally choose based on superficial things. And so Maybe in maybe in Phoenix, Arizona, but you're in Minneapolis, Minnesota now, brother. You're in the you're in the middle. You're high moral ground. You're just yeah, bro. You're you're purely up here in up here in the Midwest with our values. I don't think you get it. The values go so much deeper. I think Kristen Bell versus Mila Kunis is a really interesting. I think each of them plays their role so well that it makes it hard if you had to choose them superficially. But I just think Mila Kunis plays such a cool person in the movie that it's hard to you can't unforget that. Mio Kunis is there for him. And no doubt. And I think we're going to, I'm going to keep going back to this. It's all the little things, like when they're at the restaurant and she encourages them to go up there. It's like, that seems small, but it's actually so big. Or even when she says, oh, if you, if you want to forget about your relationship, like you'll jump because the, the pain is insignificant. That, that's kind of the metaphor that they go along. Um, so I think she adds so many little things that are so much bigger and that makes her character so much more of an obvious choice between the two um, when we're talking about knowing the background of, of both characters. Before we get into categories, I just want to talk about I want to talk about Russell Brand and I want to talk about Paul Rudd okay. before we kind of deep dive okay, yeah, the categories. Yeah. So Russell Brand really never done anything. This is like the first thing he's ever in. Yeah. Kind of, this is the only thing he's ever done. Right. I think Aldous Snow is like the perfect role for him. Get him with the Greek, he plays it back. I'm a huge Get Him with the Greek yeah, fan. Right. We'll eventually do it on the pod. Um, I love Get Him with the Greek, and I love his Aldous Snow role, but he was never really able to break out of that kind of caricature. Yeah. But, like, the first time you see it, this is 2008, the first time you see it, 
he, rewatching it, I'm like, fuck, how did Russell Brand not, like, make it? He, well, he kills. He just, like, the... So the funny thing about this is, so she's this Hollywood actress, he's this rock star from London, and the thing... Oh, we, you're from London! <laughs> the thing we highlighted was that there are so many things... There are so many jokes in this that they talk about kind of the corniness of Hollywood and being this superficial rock star or being this superficial actor and and they really hit hard on those kinds of things and I think they do it perfectly where Billy Baldwin as an example like that's a little thing but it's so funny if you know who Billy Baldwin is when you watch his movie <laughs> can, you, can you remember any of his lines from it because so, they, they kill every time so at one point so backstory is is it's that a, it's a parody of CSI. Yeah, it's a parody of CSI Miami, essentially. It was Horatio's character mm-hmm. in CSI Miami getting parodied. And it's Crime Scene Scene of the Crime, which is the show that Sarah Marks was on. hilarious name for Hilarious. Time. And so they do such a good satire of it. And uh, at one point, Billy Baldwin, uh, Sarah Marshall says to Billy Baldwin, hey, we found the victim's penis behind the AC unit. And he just goes, can you say Dixical? <laughs> and that's hilarious. He also has the line where it's like, they, the victim lost a ton of blood and it got punctured in the aorta. And he's like, either he got punctured in the aorta or it's his time of the month. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's a little joke, but, but it, it makes the biggest difference. The crime scene scene, the crime, like cutaways are probably like a minute of total screen time. Yeah. But it's like we said, it's worth every second. The little things in this movie, I think are what you come back to. There's these little moments. There's these little, there's all these little characters and these little li- like throwaway lines. Like Jonah Hill when he's pissed at dinner <laughs> and he's like talking to um, Russell Brand's character and he's just like, I can't say anything right now because I'll get fired. And he's kind of talking yeah. through his teeth and under his tone. Also, when Jonah Hill has Russell Brand's, when he has Aldis go up on the stage and yeah. sing Inside of You and he's like, I just went from six to midnight <laughs> and he's got his hands down his hands. Like, you would never really quote that outside of it. You don't really remember it yeah. unless you rewatch as freshly as we did. It's great. It's so good. <laughs> and and you get the feeling of, because we talked about this all-star cast, it feels like they had some kind of input on the jokes and the little things. And I think that adds so much value to the to the movie as a whole. And Paul Rudd. Yeah. Bring, I, I, I we got to bring... Uh, yeah, I was ready for this. I'm, Paul Rudd... Supporting character Paul Rudd in these mid to late in Judd Apatow movies. Yeah, right. Forty Year Virgin. Yeah. This he has the little role in Knocked Up where he's like the married husband <laughs> that hates his life. I know what's the line. I wish I. I got Matsui. Yeah, when he's at the fancy baseball draft, and then he also has the I wish I loved anything as much as my kid loves bubbles. <laughs> That's so good. So, anyway, anyways, back to this. This isn't the Knocked Up podcast, but Paul Rudd. In Judd Apatow movies at yeah. this point in his career is absolutely amazing. And I think this sets him up for him and Jason Siegel's relationship in I Love You Man, which is a great movie. Yeah. Another one we'll have to do eventually. But I love Paul. You know, I stopped wearing a watch when I came out there. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, my phone tells time. <laughs> and every little line he has. Yeah. What? Looks like you got some pain behind those eyes. <laughs> you got any weed? Uh, let's just go surf then. <laughs> No, the, his whole character, and he, he just plays it so well, of like this laid-back, chill guy that's a, a surf instructor, and he kills it. And 
gives him a Hawaiian name, P.O.P. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've quoted something like that, and it makes no sense for me to have a context to quote that with. <laughs> but you find a way because it's so funny. And so I, I Paul Rudd, he kills it. I, I love that. He's number one supporting actor in this movie yeah i think he brings i think him and jonah hill i think paul rudd gets more screen time probably and i also think last paul rudd quote from this movie is when he's like yeah dude i saw him beat up someone with a starfish one time (laughs) he goes it was me he's like there's no way that's real he goes it was me it was me i love that um so let's just get to favorite and least favorite characters then if we're gonna be talking about it so i think i gotta give to russell russell brand kind of steals the movie and this, really? this for is fa- the, for favorite favorite performance. Wow. I think Russell Brand. This is the only thing. This is his career. Okay. Russell Brand is Aldous Snow in Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Gambling the Greek. That's his career. Okay. He he. You wouldn't know who Russell Brand is without Aldous Snow as a character, and I think that carries a lot of weight. Okay. And I, I also like think that, he brings uh, the in all the songs. Like at the beginning, yeah, he was like, "Do something," and they have the music video and just, all the beats. Everything fits. Yeah. It just highlights. Like the corniness of that kind of that kind of artist, or like you know that that plays the I'm with the times kind of thing, you know, and yeah. he, like woke a woke artist, you know, and so they they really play that up, which I like. So I, I like that choice for favorite character, and then least favorite. I just gotta give it to Kristen Bell, not because of her performance, yeah. but God damn it, like you just don't when we're me and Mason are rewatching it, and Jason Siegel is there trying to comfort her post-breakup towards the end of the movie. And she's, like, crying, kissing him. And you're just like, don't fucking go back to him. Yeah. Like, we've been there before. You got ex, We got exes. Right. And, you know, it's just like, don't do it. Don't put yourself yeah. in that situation. Yeah. And you've had you've had friends that have gone through it. And it's like, it's not worth it. So I'd, I'd probably agree with least favorite character. Obviously, Kristen Bell played it so well that it made it convincing enough to, to do that. And so, especially, yeah, especially that scene where... He's struggling, she's struggling, and she really plays up the fact that she knows he's vulnerable, and he's trying to resist, and he can't do it. So, yeah, I, I totally agree up on that one for least favorite. And then favorite is Jason Siegel. Like, I just think he plays the, like, post-breakup thing so well. I, like, I can just think of, like... It's so relatable as a... Yeah, and... Okay, so speaking of breakup scene, um, being broken up with naked, is there a funnier thing to, like, go you've, never, you've never been I, broken up with naked? Only twice, but not quite the yeah. same way. That's no, pretty no, amazing. But, like, I think they just thought, okay, if you got broken up with, what's the worst like situation you can be in? And then he's like, hold me, and he's like, hold me, and she's just like, she can you just put some fucking balls on, like... <laughs> It's what does brutal. he say? Said, if I put clothes on, it's over. <laughs> I love that. And I love that they bring it full circle because when Mila Kunis shows up at his show and he's uh, getting out of his, his costume post-performance and she shows up when he's naked. so he But she both. accepts it. Right, exactly. So that, that's, kind of a, that's kind of a cool The, pay, the payoff's know? there. Yeah. The payoff's it, there. It's super cool. Um, that's the thing I've noticed about the movies we've talked about is when when you can bring things that seem insignificant, when you can make them valuable at the end, that's what makes it really great. A little curb your enthusiasm. Yes, definitely. Totally. Can you... This... I don't really... Recasting Couch is 
I don't. We probably won't do it or casting couch. Yeah. But could you imagine anyone else playing Jason Siegel's character? Do you think anybody pulls it off? Not like him. Yeah, who, uh, especially because of the only. I think Paul Rudd. If you play back his four-year-old virgin <laughs> yeah, character, right, yeah. I think Paul Rudd's okay, got in. Yeah. Um, I, I can respect that. I, I like Jason Segel because of How I Met Your Mother and when they go through the breakup during that, and I think it kind of mimics that in a way of. I, th- this was after the fact of How I Met like. Well, this is during. during this is during, yeah, but yeah, How I Met Your Mother started in two thousand five. This comes on, so he's established right around that time. Yeah, he's established as a TV character, but this is. He wrote this. Right. This is his first, hey, you have a movie. Judd Apatow, half-assed internet research. Judd Apatow basically empowers him. He All the cast from Freaks and Geeks, he tells. Yeah. He gives Seth Rogen. He's like, hey, you get one. Yeah. And Seth Rogen makes Knocked Up. Then he's like, okay, Jason, it's your turn. What do you want to do? Jason's like, I don't know. I'll write something. And he's like, okay, sounds good. I'll tell Universal. It's That's yours. That's so sick, yeah. And Judd That's Apatow cool. basically just tells these guys from Freaks and Geeks, Write whatever you want. I'll produce it. I'll make sure it gets made. Yeah, that's super cool. I love that. But yeah, I think Jason Segel just plays it so well because he played it super well in How I Met Your Mother. So I think, yeah. But Paul Rudd, I would totally consider because of the 40-year-old performance, and we love that, obviously. We love his post-breakup. I think it just, Jason Segel just plays... Like, when he's in that kind of whoring around phase post-breakup when he's just being a slut after the fact, and he's, like, playing that drunk. He plays heartbreak so well. And then he also plays kind of that... But then at the flip side of the coin is is he plays the flirtation with Mila Kunis so well and falling for... And sometimes it's easy to do one, but you can't do the other. But he kind of... He can do it all. And I really... I'm a huge... I think Jason Segel's an underappreciated comedic act... Slash dramatic. Yeah. Because I've seen him play drama, too. He did the movie with um, what's his face, where he's the writer, um, social network guy. Uh, fuck, uh, I can't think of. Well, it I don't know. I can't help you out there. But... Yeah, but the Mark Zuckerberg character, Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. He plays a character. I can't even remember what it is, but Jesse Eisenberg's a writer, and he goes with a really dramatic Jason Segel on a road trip. And Jason Segel's this, and it's based on a real character who killed himself later. Oh, wow. And Jason Segel, like, it's on Netflix. Um, Jason Segel plays an absolutely fantastic role in that and uh, I think that Jason Segel is just doesn't really get the love he deserves I don't know I feel yeah, like no, I've well, never heard anyone talk about him well so the thing the about, end of the, the end of the tour the was the, tour. Okay, was the movie yeah. 2015 okay yeah so I think the thing about Jason Segel is with How I Met Your Mother he does such a good job of that's obviously a comedy but there's a lot of dramatic things because he's uh, in a relationship with Lily in How I Met Your Mother. So there's a lot of, and, and they do a good job of. He's a law student, then he's a lawyer. It's yeah. so stupid. Yeah, that's so fucking lame that they. I know, do I hate it. <laughs> I don't even relate. Right. So I think there's a lot of good back and forth between that where he goes from, they go a little more serious to. Obviously, it's mostly comedic, but when they do need to get serious, they can. And so, I just so many, I draw so many parallels between those two that I think he does such a good job translating that over into this performance. Also, writing a movie and starring in it. Like, yeah. The, to write, right. we and Mason talked about this a little bit, but to use a Dracula musical is kind of a subplot. 
Right. And then pull, like, it's good. Which is very, very specific, too, and then to add the music to it and add the... But then it also mirrors, like, the story. If he's yeah, like, yeah. he's just a man who wants to be loved, and he smothers these women. Right. And then the last shot is of, you know, Dracula with his girl. Yeah. And I don't know. I think to make that hit mainstream, that deserves a lot of credit. I don't know. I think... I think his Dracula to write a Dracula musical for a movie that you're it's your first time being like hey here's the keys to the car son yeah. like drive and to just go for it I think that's something that should be appreciated. Yeah, I agree because it, it feels risky to put that in there to be like here's this weird thing, but it does so well because it is so weird and that it fits the character. Yeah, yeah, exactly because it. Like we said earlier, Sarah Marshall didn't quite respect it or support it, and Mila Kunis, no questions asked, was like, "This is cool. I, I want you to, I want you to pursue this because it's what you want to do." Um, so, I, I, and speaking of that, I think some of the little, like the smaller jokes when he's with Russell Brand, when he's like, "Yeah, I came across the song. It was like a, a gothic Neil Diamond." And it, <laughs> And he's like, that's exactly what I was looking for. That's exactly what I was trying to sound like. That that goes back to the small beats of it that play really well during this time. So, um, no, I think I think the fact that he wrote it plus acting and just adding to the whole story was so good. Most relatable scene. What are you What are you relating to? Most relatable scene. Um. There's a couple scenes I really love. The breakup? The breakup is pretty funny. Um, I'll go I'll go with a different one if you want to talk about breakup, because I got one in mind. I'm going to talk breakup. So. Okay, you want to talk breakup? Okay, and I'll, I'll talk with you. I think um, one of the scenes I really love is when they are talking about, it's Sarah and Peter talking about, hey, what did I do wrong, and... It's kind of a back and forth, and she said, one day you wore, or one week you wore the same sweatpants seven days in a row, and it, it shows every between each day, and it ends with the, the Lord of the Rings, you know, you shall not pass, <laughs> which, is, which is hilarious, but, it, like, we've all been there, and especially during quarantine, we've, like, somebody has worn the same clothes multiple days in a row, maybe not seven. Maybe more than seven. I wore I, I wore Van Hoff concrete short <laughs> shirts seven days in a row. Shout out Dylan Van Hoff, right. fan of the program. Yeah. Check out Van Hoff concrete for your concrete needs. What's the number again? Fuck. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm but a spot. Uh, I I will get. I will no, edit. You know uh, it. You know it. Come on. Seven one two seven two two three six three zero. Maybe sounds right. Mess around with a, a couple digits and see what happens. Um, no, I think. So I think that scene is great where you're talking about the like comfort of I'm comfortable in this relationship. I can wear sweatpants seven days in a row. There's no problems with it. But I think that leads to the breakup, though. You know, that, 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 that's kind of the point she's trying to make. Um, and he doesn't quite get it that he just wasn't making the effort or... So you think Sarah... Asking the you questions. think Sarah has it's a not, reason to It's cheat not justified. Him. It's not justified. But I'm just saying... That's enabler, her, that's her enabler, <laughs> enabler. That's her logic. That's her her thought process. Yeah, she can have a thought process, <laughs> even though everybody's justified to have shitty thoughts. Right, I guess. Right. 
Anyways, speaking of the breakup, go ahead and. I think it's just funny to like. We've both been in breakups where you're kind of you're, you go through that first stage of being just fucked up, of yeah, you don't want to talk to anyone, you don't want to see anyone. I don't know if we. I've never burned a picture, but maybe during, you had a different. During picture. my breakup, I just I put on the notebook right away for some. I thought that was a good idea, um, and okay. I had someone. They had to close my laptop and say, "Hey, there's like that th- wasn't a good idea." There's three or four movies that I pivot to. There's <laughs> there's you, soundtracks what, I pivot to. What do you got on deck or for a breakup? One, one. Yeah, give me one. Give you one. Yeah. I love High Fidelity. It's oh. like, but like he's that, going that's through an a, interesting place to be because anyway. he's going through a breakup in right. High Fidelity, which we're gonna do at some point in the yeah. podcast. But he's going through a breakup, and it's really dark, and it has like I don't know. I I like the dark tone. When I'm in a breakup, I want. I want to be depressed. Yeah, because so you want to feel those feelings. Yeah, I want to so be you, depressed. Yeah, right. I don't want to be happy. And, I feel that. Um, I think Jason Siegel does a good job of embodying, like, I just want to be depressed. Yeah. I want to be sad. Leave me the fuck alone. Let me eat my full bowl of cereal. And then he goes through stage two where it's, I'm going to go chase anything. Right. And you're like, revenge. She's doing something. I'm going to do something. And then you go do that. And, and how they set that up is so funny because he's so direct about it. There's like... No games at all, and oh, him and Bill Hader. Yeah, <laughs> Bill Hader. Oh yeah, we haven't even talked we haven't about talk- Bill Hader. I don't even fucking care about <laughs> anything we were just talking yeah. about. <laughs> Bill Hader. So good. Is so Bill Hader has this really interesting career in the mid to late two thousand slash even early two thousand teens. Yeah, right. Where he just is a supporting character in a super bad, forgetting Sarah Marshall. He's in these just amazing movies. Tropic Thunder. And had so Tropic much Thunder. Fun. He's little character. Yeah. He had so much. It's like if you had Mickey Mantle banning eighth. <laughs> it's like Jesus Christ. Oh, you want me to hit a home run? I guess. Who's in the four slot? We got Mickey at eight, <laughs> and then you just like realize Bill Hader's so talented. He's on yeah. SNL at the same time, and he's just in all these little supporting roles, and he plays the stepbrother thing. The best Bill Hader which moment. Which is a funny in, dynamic in itself. In, which is pretty relatable is having yeah. someone that you're... Everyone's been in a situation in your life where you're going through something serious and you want to talk to someone else, but you're kind of stuck with this one person who maybe you're not as close it, to. It's always somebody it shouldn't be. Yeah. And that's what you got to go with. Yeah, and it's know? like Bill Hader's his stepbrother. At the end of the day, he doesn't want to be talking to Bill Hader, but he has to. And he's talking about how... You know, Jason Segel's talking about how fresh his cereal is. Yeah. You know, Sarah noticed how he never had fresh cereal. Right. And he's like, you know, Bill Hader's like, we thought Sarah was a bitch. <laughs> and Jason Segel's like, Sarah's better than his wife who's pregnant. And he's like, you really want to do this right now? You really want to do this right now? And Jason Segel's like, yes. He's like, that's the mother of my kids. Like, you know, and everything Bill Hader does in those like stepbrother things, yeah. when Jason Segel's hitting on the girls at the bar, he's like, hey, pump the brakes, buddy. Yeah. And when they're on the phone when he's in Hawaii and realizes Sarah's there too, you can, you can just barely hear him through the phone screaming, stop, don't go anywhere near her, all that kind of stuff. And same thing. Every little part is way more significant than you think it is at the time. And so, and then he ends up being in the Dracula play as well. And murdering it. Yeah, and, and kills. So, yeah, big shout out to Bill Hader for just doing his thing, you know? I know, and it's finally cool. Like, he gets the movie with Amy Schumer, uh, Trainwreck. He gets to kind of be the yeah. guy in oh, that. Yeah. 
But that's at the same point, like that's also Amy Schumer's movie. You know, he's very supporting in that, even right. though he plays a good romantic yeah. character with her. It's really cool to see him finally have Barry and finally that's his thing. Yeah. No one else is Barry yeah, is Bill Hader's yeah, thing. Can't touch it. And it's a great show. If you haven't seen it, check out HBO Go. Yeah. But he murders that and uh I love Bill Hader. I love him in Super Bad is one of my favorite characters so ever. Good. As the buddy cop with yeah. Seth Rogen and the beats they play off each other. Yeah. He also has a really funny little role in Pineapple Express where he's the person trying out marijuana yeah. in the 1950s in an underground government facility. Um, everything Bill Hader does in a supporting role is fantastic. Yeah, super good. Do you have um, anything else that's relatable? Um, relatable? There's so many. I think just like running into your ex and like the awkwardness of it and we've never been back. together when that happened yeah i know that's so weird that'd be so stupid if we were at casa sometime <laughs> and like just ran into your ex and, and she was there with her new boyfriend and we had to talk to absolutely her absolutely tried not to be awkward at all yeah, yeah that'd be, be so stupid if that ever happened it'd be stupid if it was a true story no but i think they do such a good job of that and <laughs> i love the line when she's like what are you doing here he's like Oh, I'm uh, here to murder you. <laughs> that's so funny to me. Um, so I think I think that's good. Just so good of dealing with your ex and even the um, the little things of the breakup and even even being on vacation and kind of the new people you meet. Oh, another uh, another person I want to talk about is Jack McBrayer and his role, his supporting role as a newlywed with his wife. He's like this very southern christian person which is a similar character what to what he plays in 30 rock um i love every second of that and those guys trying to give him advice about how to have sex yeah. but then then when i'll just know finally he's like he's just telling me what to do and he's like you need to penetrate They're deeply. Doing the chest pieces <laughs> That's so oh because of god and stuff and he's like <laughs> he's like god can be present in the bedroom and then when later he's having sex with her and he's like christ is between your legs and the entire little stick is absolutely hilarious i love that yeah and i think that we could probably go through a whole list of names with this all-star cast that they had um but I'm a big fan of 30 Rock and, and Jack McBrayer, so that I, I love that little part, too. He's fantastic. Um, this is for best song on the soundtrack. This is kind of weird. Because, I, got, I got a super random one. But because there's not really a soundtrack. Right. There's the, not really... There's, a, there's always songs in the background, and yeah. I always notice them. So go for it. So I'm going to go with Amber by 311. Uh, it plays in the background when they're at the bar. It's the, whoa, amber is the color of your amber. It plays in the background. It's yeah. like what you imagine Hawaii, if you've ever been. So I've never been. I'm going to go with that one. Um, yeah, like you said, there's there's not a lot of songs going on. His personal songs are uh, I was going to say my favorite so thing is the can, Dracula musical. Yeah, right. And, and those are really good. And I like the end one, but I like him at the bar playing it for the first yes. time the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of just the dynamic of her pushing him to go outside of his comfort zone. And I think everybody just wants someone that pushes them and, yeah. you know, says, hey, go do this thing that makes you uncomfortable because I think you can succeed. Yeah. And, and that's such an important quality and a significant other. I yeah. Think. And encourages you because it's this thing you're unsure of anyways. So he like he needs the support to go do it. 
and so he kind of has that unsureness of oh is this actually something that's good because he's had bad experiences with somebody he trusted being Sarah Marshall saying I don't get it like don't play it again all that kind of stuff and she totally encouraged it Mila Kunis's character so yeah I think it's weird just because there's no like at the end when he makes out with her and he finally gets back with Mila Kunis it's not like some top 40 songs playing from 2008. Right. And there's no, like, pop hits from the time playing yeah. in it. And it's interesting because we talk about how these movies kind of represent a time. Mm-hmm. But it almost makes this movie more timeless because yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing there to be yeah. like, this is 2008. You could watch this movie. If you didn't see, like, the Motorola Razor at the end when he's trying to call, yeah. you would just be, this could be 2020. Yeah, exactly. You'd have no idea. The, uh, the other thing I want to talk about is she flew from Hawaii to L.A. to see his show. That's support, if you've ever seen it before. That's that's real. I, I need that. Where, where, where's where, where's where, our Mila Kunis? Yeah, where can I find that? If anybody's listening to this and you know where me and Mason can find a Mila Kunis-type <laughs> single character... That will fly to where I'm at to support my creative endeavors. But we will also fly out to support right. her. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. We're not saying it's a one-way street. Yeah, it's not... I'm I'm trying to have a a, a full on relationship here, you know. It's it's I, I support you, you support me, but that's dedication because you're flying from Hawaii. That's a, an expensive ticket. That's that's a in fucking book, trip. In two thousand eight, not a lot of people could afford to do that. <laughs> and she's a receptionist. She's a she's a front desk agent. I please, am please so... don't disrespect the front <laughs> desk agent. I'm Ryan. so sorry. I I did that for three years. Hey, shout out Marriott. Y'all didn't pay me a lot. <laughs> yeah, you could afford but, it. But I got sorry. some. I got some experience. So, but you didn't get to tell this story. Like you wouldn't. Right. Be, you wouldn't have been able to afford. I wasn't it. flying out places to oh. see people to support their creative endeavors. I've never done something like that before. No way. I could. I couldn't afford it now, and I have a job. That right. I don't make it right. a lot, but right. I just. It's tough. And she's a little older than us, I think. She's 20. I think they're in their mid-20s is the way they make it sound because at one point he's talking to Sarah and he says in four years you'll be 30. So I yeah. think they're in the 24 to 26-year-old range. Which is weird to think about that, because if I, I've never met a 26-year-old that looks like Kristen Bell. I, she, do you think she looks older? She looks, old older. She looks great, but she looks older and mature and... She looks like a, she looks like you a know. thirty-two year old that has her shit together. Yeah, she's got it going on. Like Jason Segel looks respect. like a twenty-eight year old that doesn't know what the fuck's exactly, going on. Exactly. Yeah. Mila Kunis could pass for twenty-four. She might have actually been twenty-four. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Would is there anything you'd rewrite? Is there anything you'd change? No. I I can't imagine. The only thing I thought of is I'd maybe play "Kiss Me" by Sixpence None the Richer to end the movie. <laughs> That's just that'd be so stupid. Yeah, I'd hate, I'd hate that. If she took off the glasses and she became hot, (laughs) and then walked down a staircase, they just dive into every like teen movie cliche that you can. If all of a sudden the movie cut to she's all that and she's walking down the (laughs) stairs in her red dress, I'd hate that. Freddie Prince Jr. shows up and yeah, and wins a bet against Paul Walker. I don't know. I I couldn't really get into it. Yeah, it'd be fucking weird if it ended up like that, but. And welcome to the She's All That podcast. <laughs> and we're going to seamlessly transition. <laughs> I bet you thought 36 minutes in you couldn't do this. You were wrong. 
It's so funny how we didn't even watch uh, She's <laughs> All That. Sarah Marshall, and we actually watched She's All That. And this is what we call misdirection in the podcast game. <laughs> no, I think my rewrite, the only thing I would rewrite about forgetting Sarah Marshall is, is maybe I want more crime scene. I want more crime Those scenes. Are the crime. So funny. I want yeah. I want five minutes. Also the in the end fade out, they have Jason Bateman with her on the new show where she can talk to animals. <laughs> oh yeah. And that's amazing. I, I just want I could have I could have an independent series of them just doing spoofs. So I want more of that. I also kinda want more of I want more of Kristen Bell being good. Because yeah, you like don't, the background of the yeah, I want like yeah. because you don't every beat of hers is bad. I mean, there's certain points where it's like, hey, like you also fucked me over, but they don't really flash. It shows him wearing sweatpants seven right. days in a row, which is whatever. Right. But there's never anything really where it's like, hey, I was really good to you, and here's me doing something good for you. You know, she says she took these classes, but you don't get to see it. And I guess I would have just been visually like. Her trying really hard with him and him not understanding. Yeah, or like the parts of the re- relationship that Jason Segel's character loved, you know, that was like, oh, this really made the five years worth it, you know, and, and being together. So, yeah, I, I think that would be nice to see kind of how their relationship developed and built. So Woke or broke? 2020, can you make Forgetting Sir Marshall? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. I don't even think there's anything that's really I, yeah, age well. I'm trying to think of something e- that... Even the joke. You can keep the jokes the same, too. Seeing Jason Segel's dick twice is tough. That's that's so funny to me, though. It's tough, but it's... Yeah. But I think you could... There's nothing in here that's really aged bad. Even Cause, when... Cause he, I it's think, pretty woke, because when he's super drunk and Mila Kunis super drunk, before their first sex, he goes, you sure you're not too drunk? And she just goes, and, stop being such a good guy. And he was He was very much aware of consent. Right. I think I think sometimes with um, movies that are older, some of the jokes don't go over well. Uh, I feel like most of the time the themes are okay, but the jokes are like, oh, I don't know. And I I can't even think of a joke in this one. Maybe I'm missing one, but I really nothing really stood out that was like wouldn't be okay now. No, I think it's age fantastic. Yeah. I think it's very. I think 2020 PC Timeless. culture would fucking like forgetting Sarah yeah. Marshall. Yeah, totally agree. Because it's, you know, it's timeless, but at the same time, there's not, like you said, themes sometimes age well, but these, like, jokes about either sexuality, especially mm-hmm. about sexuality, right. and about mental illness, and sometimes they just say these things that you're just, like, listening back and like, ugh, God, Ooh. like, <laughs> yeah. but there's nothing like that in here, Yeah. and Jason Siegel and Bill, like, there's nothing. I think I it's cool because the theme mostly is dealing with a breakup. And that's such a universal thing. We've we've already kind of touched on it, but everyone's gone through that at, in some form or another. Unless you're from the Midwest and married your high school sweetheart. Right, yeah, unless... <laughs> Shout out Amanda Doherty and Tyler Beck. <laughs> or I guess Amanda Ben Tyler Beck. Unless everything's fine and you've never dealt with that before. I, I think for the most... Or even if you haven't, you know somebody who has and you've kind of sat and talked with them and... There's so much comedy that comes with it, and like definitely in my experience in talking with friends, like this is this is running into your ex amplified. This is you went on a vacation to go out of your way to get rid of 
that problem and now you're dealing with the consequences of being in the same place and even think about this like even running into somebody from your hometown is brutal is is a tough thing to go through so imagine running into your ex while trying to get away from that person like he's just trying to go to dinner (laughs) and they end up together wait you're not going you're not going with anyone you don't have a friend meeting you here (laughs) yeah there's no (laughs) so good oh okay i guess man you sure and like those beats are funny. For yeah, Jonah and he's Hill. like, he's like, that's really sad. <laughs> Jonah Hill when he whispers, "I'll just go fuck myself." Yeah. Like, uh, you want me to take your plate? Uh, no, I'm not done yet. Okay, I'll go and fuck myself. And the fact that he gives him his demo is so funny. There's, yeah, he has he has so many great parts. But yeah, I think I think they just hit everything on the head. Like all the themes are spot on, and yeah. and, and relatable and and timeless in a sense. We'll just use that to dive into final thoughts. Okay, just uh. What else? What else we got about the? I could I could do more on Bill Hader and how much I love him and everything. I Jonah Hill, too, but I think just the cast. I think just like we talked about, like the weakest link thing. But just good for them for getting this cast. But none of them are really. Kristen Bell hasn't taken off yet. Mila Kunis yeah. hasn't done movies yet. Really, she's post that '70s show. Jason Segel isn't a big name. I think we look back at this and we remember it really fondly. But I think we need to remember that. This cast wasn't a bunch of superstars. Jonah Hill just done super bad. He's probably Jonah Hill and Bill Hader might be the most famous people because Bill Hader's on SNL and yeah. Jonah Hill just did super bad, which yeah. was fucking massive. Yeah. So I think we were like Jason Siegel's a no name. Russell Brand's a no name. Kristen Bell's a no name, and Mila Kunis is known as the girl from that seventy show. show. It feels like a bunch of people that were coming into their own that really like respected the art and they're like. Yeah, let's do this thing. I, just it, wanna, I think it catapults them. Yeah. I just want to read the names that I wrote down. And we've named all of them already. But just think about this as as a whole. So Paul Rudd, Kristen Wiig, Jack McBrayer, uh, Jason Siegel, Mila Kunis, Jonah Hill, uh, Bill Hader, um, Kristen Bell, and, and then you have... Russell Brand. Russell Brand. And is there anybody else that I missed? I'm I'm sure there are. There are some. Yeah, there there are people. But like even those names alone are undeniably great. Because if if you had never seen this movie before, and I said, "Hey, there's this movie with these people in it," you'd be like, "How have I not said like what movie is that? I need to I need to see that movie." I also think it's a movie people our age like watch all the time. I know. Shout out Tommy, former former roommate. He's watched this with his new roommate Schaefer on their first like movie time yeah and I think it's a movie that people our age I think it's a movie you can sit down it's a good date movie it's, I think it's a girl, movie you can be like hey girl I just met let's sit and watch something that's funny <laughs> and it's yeah I think if you watch it with a girl as like a first or second date thing I think the movie's kind of in that wheelhouse I don't yeah, know no, they, they get it too it's it's like it's super relate, relatable for anybody um, to that point it's it's on TV a lot. The, the edited version is always on. That's another thing. Final thought. The unedited version is a million times better than the edited TV version. Like, not even close. It It's those little things that go a long way. That's definitely the theme of this podcast, for me at least. And having those, those swears or, like, that little nudity makes things so much funnier in my opinion and i think that's the, that's the final thought i want to have is the 
watching this movie unedited is so important. It's not enough to just watch don't watch it on, it on TV FX. Or, don't watch or it on FX. TBS or whatever it is. It's always know? on FX. Yeah, but they oh, yeah. The, FX has the movies. Yeah, and I don't even. <laughs> that fucking sucks. That's where we're gonna leave it. But son of a bitch, FX has the movies, and that's where <laughs> that's where we end. And this this podcast is sponsored by FX. We have the motherfucking <laughs> movies. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll see you. We'll see you next week. Hey, one more time. Thanks for having me on. I know. I know we're coming to our final days here, final couple uh, podcasts. But always appreciate the time. Yeah. Stay classy, Minneapolis. Amen. <laughs>